welcome everybody to a Michael Jordan flu game episode of the Listen In podcast. Uh, it is episode 143. We are coming at you in just the depths of winter. This is a uh, late January. Feels like it's lasted forever. We're coming off a couple days where we had in New Hampshire snow, and then two straight days where the temperatures were so cold that the snow there was like just literally nothing that could be done with it. It would just wouldn't melt. You couldn't really get it off the street. You know when like you see those videos in a, like these towns in Alaska, that yeah, they, they don't see pavement for. All of the winter, for like eight months out of the year, they're not seeing pavement. That's what it was like here, but just for two days, luckily. Right. I don't know how they deal with it. My car had a lot of trouble getting to and from places. Well, and like getting started is a trouble yeah. thing, like yeah. your battery and yeah. stuff. Um, but we are not a weather and general icebreaker conversation podcast we talk about music on here and um the year so oh 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 thank you jake for specifying we're not a general icebreaker podcast well because that's a saturated market it's a saturated market indeed <laughs> i think it so um it's interesting to think back on how many podcasts two things one, what do you think the over-under is on how many podcasts we have dubbed the Jordan Flu Game podcast? Oh. I think it's at least seven. At least. At and least. like maybe eight. I think we've both had like four. I think what we're realizing is we don't take care of ourselves very well. Yeah. And we are frequently sick. I- ill often. And the <laughs> other thing I wanted to say is how many times in the intro have we done that we're like we're not a podcast that talks about this we talk <laughs> right, about music right. and that's why i love that you're just like not icebreaker conversation yeah. music not like not water cooler talk <laughs> so speaking of music jake we actually we have a lot of things to get to let's kick it off with some news first some very interesting news items coming out of this past week vampire weekend one of the most acclaimed and one of our favorite indie rock bands of the 2010s announced their fourth album coming out this year with just the initials FOTB. Mm-hmm. They will be releasing singles over the next, what, two, three months? Three months until the release of the album. I think we're getting a total of six songs wow. leading up to that. The album itself is going to be 18 tracks and clock in around 59 minutes. So, we're so looking at kind of like a double album here. And, and Ezra Koenig said as much in the Instagram post. Uh, in which he announced this um, and he said that it will be packaged the vinyl will be a double record Um, I'm looking forward to it and and Sean this FOTB thing got us thinking about and like everyone else who saw Mm. the post and likes Vampire Weekend uh, about what FOTB could stand for there's so many options here my favorite of yours do you remember which one it was Uh, Fire on the Beach that was I think the coolest one it reminds me of a Neil Young yeah I I really like that one too Uh, you had Fell Out the Bottom I liked that one Fell Out the Bottom was the one where when I saw FOTV for some reason it was it just was the first thing that popped into my head Fresh Off the Boat Seems to be a popular pick is another option Fuck Off Tom Brady very appropriate given his dominance Yep, um, and let me see. I think we had more. Oh, right? uh, flexing on these bitches is flexing a potential on these one. Bitches is a possibility. Uh, falling over the balcony or falling off the balcony, Jake. I liked this one. First off, they're back. <laughs> I like that too. It's been a hiatus, six-year yeah, little break yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Would seem like maybe a short-sighted thing to name your album. Uh, I liked. I came up with this because when I saw FOTB, I just assumed like it reminded me of Fallout Boy, just like. 
the the acronym for that. But in this case, it's fall O U. Take that T off. Just have it stand Make by it itself. Capital. So it's really fall out boy. Fall out boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like yeah. a French thing. I, I think that might be it. Um, file out the back. Um, you had first of the best. First of the best. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I wrote Friday or Thursday's brother. <laughs> so uh, friends of Tal Bachman. So the the truth of the matter is that we have no idea. I think the best guess I've seen is probably fresh off the boat. That feels like. Something like Vampire Weekend and Ezra Koenig in general have always come across as very worldly and mm. like interested in the immigrant experience and like mm-hmm. other religions and, and sort of exploring that aspect of America. And like I think on Modern Vampires of New York and what that kind of how the the melting pot, Sean, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Well, um, it's interesting because on Modern Vampires of the City, they did they did the same thing. They did like a an abbreviation before the album came out. And I don't think we ever would have guessed Modern Vampires of the City. I no. do feel like whatever we're guessing here is not going to be what it actually is. I agree with you because, well, not like it's some big thing to for them to give away a t-shirt or something, but they've since put up another Instagram post where they said if someone can guess it accurately, they'll get like a prize. Oh. So like... Fresh off the boat is probably like the one of the most common guesses I've seen. Mm-hmm. So like that would be a lot of people. To, yeah. So it's probably something much more specific. Right. Um, right. Fun nonetheless. Vampire Weekend's a fun band in general, and I think that uh, with with this album and with the, with the post that Ezra wrote, like they're, he's not someone who at all shies away from like just giving the fans a little bit of yeah, interaction yeah, in the yeah. way that might be exciting for them. So yeah. I, I think that's cool. They put out. Um, I don't know if you if you heard this at all, uh, Sean, but they put out on YouTube, a two-hour loop of a guitar lick. It's kind of just a little, it's really brief, a little guitar run, and then a guitar that's doing a harmonizing lick over it from the song, what will become the song Harmony Hall, I guess, that's going to be on the album. Because I think the the first two singles they're putting out are called Harmony Hall and 2021. These are such Vampire Weekend song names, by the way. Yeah, they are, yeah. Uh, I mean, makes sense. I did hear that these were being teased. I didn't listen to them. I, they're not out. The songs. No, are out. I know, I know. I, but I didn't even. I didn't listen to the guitar loop or whatever. And I think it's been well documented on this podcast. I hate the teaser yeah. of a single or the teaser of. I hate these little like two second snippet. Yeah. Of thing. I, I don't. I don't fuck with those at all. I, I, I'll show it to you after. Uh, just because it's like literally the loop itself is maybe. 15 seconds. No, I won't have it. I won't have it. I don't want to hear it. It's just a nice sounding little acoustic guitar thing. Sorry. Here's the thing. I listened to it. um, And I think it sounds cool. I'm excited for it. It sounds very Vampire Weekend, but it it has this sort of uh, acoustic sort of sound going on there. So I, I... I like that, but I agree. I don't. I don't necessarily like this as a tactic that much from any band. Yeah, it never no. excites me that much. No, no. Uh, what else do we have for news items? Uh, well, Jake, uh, a favorite band of this podcast, Pup, announced that they are releasing a new album in April called Morbid Stuff, and they released a single along with it called Kids, and they announced a tour that we. Uh, Happened to miss buying tickets for, but luckily we can still buy them on StubHub for a massive markup. Anyways, that is besides Bad look the point. for your boys. That is besides the point. Uh, the point here is that Pup is going to be back, and this new single is great. This is 
wheelhouse pup yep. sound. It is, of course, a cover of MGMT's Kids. <laughs> it's not. For a second, I was like, wait a minute. No. <laughs> like, I've listened to this song a ton, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> is it? You think back to the lyrics, like, control yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit. No, it is not. But the, you're like you said, this is wheelhouse pup it, sound it, yeah. here. Um, the hooky, really straight ahead guitar crunch tone that they have. It, there, there's a certain tone that's very much theirs. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is, I feel like that's like a... You said something about how using pedals is, has become like a new guitar right, signature. Right. Um, I think that's true. Yeah. I think like your guitar tone can really set you apart. Absolutely. And, and Pup has that dude. The, the lead guitarist in Pup is sick. Yeah, he's really good. Um, and so when this first came out, I was looking on the Indie Heads Reddit thread sub subreddit, and there were some initial reactions from fans. They're like, "Ah, it's only okay." Like expecting a little bit more from this album. I was thinking, what are you talking about? This is only okay. This is everything you want from a pup, uh, from a pup song. And I do think with bands like Pup and bands who are kind of like, we've settled on a sound and we're really going to own it. I do think fans have unrealistic expectations for what their projects are going to be going forward. I think Joyce Manor is a great example of that. Sure. We know what Joyce Manor are. I love them for what they do. For like the, the sliver of rock that they have kind of carved out. I love that sound. I don't expect or even necessarily want a band like Joyce Manor or Pup to do anything drastically differently because they already do what they do so well. Just keep giving me that, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, I think I think there's like there's the two sides to that argument big time. And I because if you can do it in a way where it's like you're not just repeating literally all the same things it's a really tough balance and I yeah. think that, that it will always be super subjective. Like if Pup, if they came out with an album where they tried some new shit and it was like, if, if it really worked, obviously that's exciting. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but, but I know what you mean. And I didn't, I didn't have the feeling at all that um, this was just okay. I really like this. Song. No, I did too. So I, I'm really excited for what it means for them because it feels like maybe a, a hair more polished than their other stuff, but it yeah. feels like we're getting a similar quality Agreed. overall. Agreed. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Me too. Uh, another quick news item here, Jake. It looks like we're getting another Phoebe Bridgers collaboration. So last year, obviously, this. she was uh, put out one of our favorite EPs, Boy Genius, with uh, Julian Baker and Lucy Dacus. Looks like this time around she's teaming up with Connor Oberst of Bright Eyes fame. Uh, and they're putting out a project called Better Oblivion Community Center. Now, is it clear? Because I read the headline for this in like the first paragraph on I think Pitchfork or something. Um, is it clear that this is an album? It is not because they it just all, all they've announced is the title of the whatever project this is. It is just some. It's some kind of project. I don't think anyone really knows. They've just been teasing it over social media. So for all we know, it could be like a flash mob. Could could event. Be, could be any number of things. Jake. A pop up shop. Uh, now. Phoebe Bridgers went on tour with Connor Oberst, mm -hmm. uh, and she opened for him. And they also collaborated on one of the songs from Stranger in the Alps. I think yeah. it was You Missed My Heart. Yes, I think it was. Um, that sounds right. So, you know, there's precedent for this collaboration. Uh, two great songwriters, so I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever they might be putting out together, whether it be an album, an EP, maybe just a single, whatever it might be. An A-side, B-side, perhaps? Cool. Yeah, it could be. Uh, and then the final news item, Jake. This is interesting because this may affect our ability to do pitchfork over-unders in the future. A real bummer. Uh, Condé Nast, the media conglomerate that owns uh, Pitchfork, 
has announced that at the end of the year, they're going to be putting all of their publications behind a paywall. This includes magazines such as GQ. This the New Yorker? Bon Appetit, New Yorker. I believe the New Yorker was already behind a paywall. Right. And that probably... There's no magazine laid, more likely seriously. to have been behind a paywall. I think that probably laid the foundation where they're like, ooh, we can maybe do this with everything. So... Um, this will obviously be a huge change for Pitchfork, which has always been kind of an independent music blog. W- what do you think this means? Did you see any articles that expressly called out Pitchfork? It did not, but it said all of its publications. Right, and so. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm just saying that I wonder whether they will have to analyze whether that makes any sense for Pitchfork. I, I know, because this screams to me the death of Pitchfork. No one's paying for that shit. No, because like my what I like to do with Pitchfork is just go on, just see what the scores are for the day, and then leave. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, and, but maybe if they understand, like, hey, this is what people want. The question is, do people want it bad enough to pay for it? I would not pay for it. I definitely would not pay for it. There's too many other music blogs that do very similar things, and the big difference is Pitchfork has like their very specific scoring system and i will say pitchfork posting three to four or five reviews a day at the rate that they do at the quality of the reviews overall that they do is impressive um not enough to pay for though so no i mean like i i think it also we have some love-hate stuff we talk yeah. about Pitchfork all the time. I think at the end of the day, I am more entertained and more positive towards just like, I like that it's there. Me too. I like checking it. I like seeing what they give, both to complain about it and to agree with it and, you know, for all, and just to analyze it. Like, I think what we've had a lot of fun with on this podcast has been like, we kind of follow music and we follow Pitchfork like, like people follow culture. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's been, like, one of the things we just sort of follow and comment on. Mm -hmm. No, it's true, and that will be the part that I miss the most. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep a close eye on it. We're like a a music blog watchdog podcast, Jake. (laughs) Right. keep our fingers on the pulse. Exactly. And it happens to be really fun with Pitchfork, given their very specific scoring, that you can, like, kind of set lines and bet on it and stuff. Yes, So... We had a really good music week here. Oh my god! We have some hot thoughts that we, the like of which we so, haven't had this so early in the year thoughts. before. So many of them. So uh, yeah, I wanted to comment on that because January is usually not a hotbed of new music activity. Usually, there's lots of announcements about things coming out for the year, but there's never really the tour de force release week like we had. Now, this reminded me of like a, a stacked May or June or September release uh, week, and we had. Four albums we're going to discuss, and then there was another like four that came out that like are very relevant to the wider uh, music public. So big, big week. It, it was, and I I feel like especially comparing it to last year, um, January felt like kind of a dearth of this stuff. Like I, I didn't really. We, we had like what like one or two albums that came out, and they weren't even big albums. We had the Sydney Gish record that we both but ended up really liking. Like a, yeah. No, but, I don't mean it's big. I just yeah. mean it was like of in terms of ones that ended up. It being important to us later in the year, that's the only one I can think yeah. of off the top of my head. It feels like any number of these could end up ranking highly by the end of the year. These are quality albums. And the ones that we're talking about, people, are James Blake, Assume Form, Sharon Van Etten with Remind Me Tomorrow, got a best new music on the aforementioned Pitchfork. Yeah. Uh, Deer Hunter, Why Hasn't Everything Already Disappeared? And uh, The Twilight Sad with It Won't Be Like This All the Time. So, uh, so four big albums. So with James Blake, which we can start with, yeah. I think it's really interesting 
because we're just talking about Pitchfork and how we have a love-hate relationship with them. Mm -hmm. I think it is very interesting, dude, how we have zigged when Pitchfork has zagged (laughs) on James Blake because um, almost all of his albums leading up to this, I mean, going back to his his self-title that came out, I think, in 2010, they gave that a 9. They gave The Color and Everything like an 8.6 or something like that. It's pretty much always best new music for for uh, for James for Blake. Jimmy Blake, yeah. Um, Assume form comes out. We both start listening last week, and we're like, "Damn, this is actually really good." Like, mm. and I should say to make this more full, we never connected with those albums really. No, so I would I, connect with a song here or there. I overall liked his self-titled. I liked James Blake. I Wilhelm scream. I never learned to share. I liked Limit it. to your love. There's some good songs in there, and it was 37 minutes. It was, it was digestible. Once he started getting to overgrown in 2013, it was kind of just more of the same. And I didn't, it just didn't really connect with it. And then the color in anything, dude. An hour and 16 minutes? Are you kidding me? Of like the same shit over and over again? Yeah. I, mean, I think with, with his first album, I would like to go back to it now to see. Um, I, I liked all those songs you mentioned. And I remember not really connecting with the rest. So, But what's interesting about this is that we both, and I think a lot of people, and most reviews for Assume Form uh, in the first couple days after it came out were like really positive. And... I've been really enjoying the album. I think there's like a ton of really cool songs on it. Pitchfork came out with a review, gave it a 5.8, and astoundingly low from them. I mean, the lowest Mm -hmm. I think I'd seen them give him anything was an 8, and I think that was overgrown. Um, But James Blake responded on Twitter, interestingly, and he said that um, he he said, I think they might still be upset that I called them out for their toxic masculinity with a little kissy face Mm -hmm. emoji. I am not aware of these comments. I didn't know that he said this. I don't I know if either. you saw any headlines about nah. that. Uh, but that's really interesting that he just came right out and said it. It is interesting because we've talked a lot about how Pitchfork definitely picks and chooses like when they're going to be out on an artist. And it usually comes after disparaging or negative comments have been made about them. Uh, this review did read like it was kind of a personal shot at him. And... You know, I think Pitchfork historically probably has been a bit of a boys club. Uh, I do think they've tried to change their image and have kind of gone the other way. Maybe a little too much. I I don't know. Uh, But it's interesting the politics behind all of this. I I didn't know this was a thing, but it would make sense. Well, and I say it not even... To bring up what I think is toxic masculinity, I don't know that I agree or disagree with that. I'd have to really look into it. But I I think it's interesting that it's like, hey, you guys love me every single album. And then I put out this album that like seems like everyone loves. Everyone, yeah. And like there's all these great collaborations on it. Um, And he's winning over fans he maybe didn't have before. Right. And now you guys are giving me like this shit Make, review. Like, no does sense. it have anything to do with like me disparaging you? Or... <laughs> right, right. Because it's pretty fucking obvious it does. Right. So yeah, that's very interesting. Pitchfork drama and beef aside, uh, I do think this album is excellent. And I've always my my favorite thing about James Blake has always been his collaborations. And mm. I think especially over the last couple years. Uh, he's done a really good job of fitting in with a bunch of other artists. So, like, I think the best moment on The Color at Anything was the Bon Iver collaboration on I Need a Forest Fire. So great. Uh, and I think, you know, he's had some other collaborations. Like, he was on the Travis Scott album. He was on that Kendrick Lamar uh, album, the Black Panther soundtrack. I think his style of production and the beats 
and layers of sound he comes up with lend itself really well to those artists. Mm. And it's always my favorite thing when he can complement other people's voices uh, with his style of production. Because I, I, I do think that's his, his biggest strength. I, I get a little bit tired of just his voice. voice. Uh, and I do think on assume form, that problem's still there a little bit, but there's enough collaborations here with Travis Scott, Moses Sumney, Rosalia, Andre 3000 has mm. a great verse. There's enough collaborations here that break up a little bit of the monotony of his voice where I don't get tired of it. Yeah, I think it's also used in interesting ways throughout and processed. I mean, he always yeah. has been chopping and screwing his yeah. voice in all kinds of different ways. But I, I think it's done really well throughout. And that's another interesting thing that where the Pitchfork review called out his vocals in a negative way. They were like, he used to use his falsetto in like in the higher ranges. And on this one, it just feels blah and boring. Like, and like, I don't think that's I didn't true. feel that way. I feel no. like his voice is used and processed in, in like in very interesting ways throughout the album. Uh, I agree. Like on assumed form, the opening track, like there, he is singing so high. He sounds like he has a, a, a female's voice. And at first I thought it was. And yeah. then going back on repeat listens, I realized it was just him. I completely disagree with that that take from them. Me too. I, I think that the uh, my biggest highlight here, probably the biggest highlight is Mile High, maybe. I, them. Oh my God. I love this song. The second like, track. Yeah. Mile High. Metro Boomin and Travis Scott collaboration here. But that run, the way the album starts from assumed form... Mile High and Tell Them, which has Metro Boomin and Moses Sumney, mm-hmm. who I love, um, into The Red, Barefoot in the Park, Can't Believe the Way We Flow. Mm. Those three songs after are awesome, too. Those are some of my yeah, favorites Can't on Believe the, album. the Way We Flow is great. has such a cool vibe to it. It has this like kaleidoscope kind of yeah. like uh, vibe to it or something. I don't exactly know how to explain it. But I know what you mean. I think uh, Into the Red is one that always comes back to me. And Rosalia on Barefoot in the Park mm-hmm. is great, too. Really good. This makes me wonder if I have been... Missing anything in some of these James Blake albums before? Maybe we have, and maybe we are at the point now where if we went back and listened, we'd find some more gems. Yeah. Maybe we go back and listen to his self-titled again. I'm I, going to because I always remember the highlights you mentioned. Yeah. I Never Learned to Share, um, Wilhelm Scream, Limit to Your Love. Limit I, to I, Your Love is sick. Yeah, I remember always loving those songs. Um so yeah, maybe it's worth, I mean, 37 minutes too. That's worth it's a, quick. It's quick, a re-listen. I do have to say, Andre 3000 showing up here is such a pleasant surprise. Whenever we get a verse from him, like on Blonde or here, uh, he where else has he showed up in the last year? Uh, he he was on he was on something else. Um, Did he appear? Was he on that Little Wayne album at all? No, I'm just trying to I'm trying to. I don't remember, but. Uh, yeah, he. I think he was somewhere else too. But it is always such a pleasant surprise, um, and he kills it with this verse here, yeah. and it flows so nicely with like the beat and the piano that James Blake is laying down there. That's a highlight for me. Andre three thousand always brings it, man. It's, yeah. it, it's definitely always a promising sign when you see him included on a track list as one of the collabs. Again, I always, I, I need to, I always say this whenever we talk about Andre. I need to do a better job of getting into Outcast. It's unacceptable that I don't really know what those albums are all about. I do too, though. Like with uh, Aquemini and like um, Speaker Box Love Below. Yeah, what's Stankonia? Stankonia is the other one where I feel like the, the I feel like uh, Aquemini and 
and Stankonia are the ones where yeah. you like those are your albums you have to listen yeah. to. So I haven't either. I'm gonna make that a priority. Um, Jake, the next album that we want to discuss is Sharon Van Etten with Remind Me Tomorrow. I had mentioned this got a Best New Music on Pitchfork. Um, Sharon Van Etten has always been an artist for me that I have enjoyed. Uh, she's been more of a tracks artist for me. The first album I got into by her was Tramp back in uh, 2012. Uh, and songs like Give Out and Serpents on there were awesome. Um, Tramp, good album, but never really loved it. Um, same with her 2014 release, Are We There? It was another one where uh, songs like Your Love Is Killing Me, I Love You But I'm Lost, You Know Me Well. Those were all really, really great. Uh, but the albums left me feeling a little bit cold. This one, though, Remind Me Tomorrow, feels like she really strung it all together. And I think in no small part uh, with the the synth sounds that she's integrating throughout this. So I've really been enjoying it. Yeah, this is my first time actually on the Sharon Van Etten train at all. I, I never took the time to get into those older albums, but I, I had really enjoyed what I'd heard from uh, Seventeen and from Comeback Kid on this on this album. Uh, I've been really loving it, it, having a nice little run with it. Um, and I think it's, th- there's a good mix here between like something like Seventeen or Comeback Kid, like we already mentioned, feel a lot more... Uh, they're sort of more not anthemic is too big a word. They're, they're more I, pop forward. Yeah, I, I, they're I, I, anthemic's the word that comes to mind for me, but I think that word is overused. Mm. It's kind of a, a things music writers oh, like yes term, like also like a fist pump. Describe, you know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. But they they have a they they're propulsive man. Like they they go, and I think that like tracks like I told you everything, Memorial Day, Jupiter Four, those are a little mm. more pulled back. I think mean, yeah. there's a nice mix from. One track to the next in that there way. There is, yeah. The first couple songs remind me of something that would have been on Remind Me Tomorrow okay. or Tramp. Um, of those first three tracks, I really love No One's Easy to Love, the second track. I love Memor- Memorial Day, I think, is my favorite of those first three. But okay. then, like you said, you get into Comeback Kid, which is like this kind of pop anthem. I love the vibe of Jupiter 4, which I guess is named after the synth that she used on this album, which is really interesting. And that song in particular is really a showcase of that synth sound. Okay, it's I didn't like this that. kind of cold like synth, uh, which I really, really like. Seventeen kind of could be like a Bruce Springsteen song. It it definitely has that vibe. It feels like world weary and kind of like it, it definitely So the the sense I get from it is it seems like I know that a lot of the songs on here were inspired by her becoming a mother. Yeah. is It feels like this is a song written by a parent about the experience of being young. Yeah. And so, having that empathy towards, like, I hope I don't lose sight of the fact that I was once that and I yeah. once felt that. The, the way I look at this this song, 17, is she's singing to herself when she's 17. And she's kind of like, you know, you would maybe look at me now and think I'm not cool. And, and that line where she's like, afraid you'll be just like me or whatever. Like 17-year-old me might be actually disappointed with, with, with where I'm at. But like I've grown a lot and yeah. like I've learned a lot. And I'm actually in a really good place. I just hope like I did you proud is kind of like what this song's about. That's really interesting. And it, it that feels like... It is separate but tied into the idea of par- exactly of, of exactly being because a you start you start thinking about all of that so. and you gain the perspective of like shit like maybe my parents weren't as lame as I thought or whatever right. I mean like that's a sentiment that I think is pretty common um, but yeah I seventeen is a song that I I know for a fact is going to rank highly on the end of the year list for me just because as we get older any song 
that kind of addresses that feeling like really hits me hard and this one's been doing it and and just the, the it's a well-written song in general right. it's produced really incredibly i love there's this so you've mentioned it to me before the part where the instruments cut out and she just sort of screams yeah. over it yeah. it's like kind of a scream um like a really hard sing yeah. where hard singing meets screaming exactly um and in that same moment around that point there's this cool way that the synths are kind of like sloppily mixing mm. into the uh, guitars that are chugging mm. through the entire song. Th that's where I think around where she introduces them. It has such a cool effect. It really does, man. She killed it. She knocked it out of the park with that song. And then uh, two on the back half of the album I really like are You Shadow, yep. which reminds me of like like a, an updated Beatles song, to be honest with you. It's like a... there are these big synth flourishes there that remind me of like, some of the horns that might have been on, like yeah. Pepper or like something around that time. Uh, and then Hands is the other one that I really, really like. Yeah, the album closes really, really strong. And I agree, You Shadow um, has a cool kind of like the rhythm to the vocals. Like an interesting, right. it, like you say, it's very, it has like a poppy thing going on. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's an impressive effort from her and I think it, it it's off kind of a hiatus right like yeah she hadn't put anything out since 2014 um you know I think she spent some time going back to school she had a kid she popped up in an episode of the Twin Peaks uh, new season as herself I guess uh so she she'd been busy for sure I think she took a little bit of time away from music and then kind of came back to it and realized like oh shit I have like a lot of songs in me and ended up putting out this album which again I think has been her best work. Yeah, it, so it, it's good stuff. It's very worth a listen. Another one that, that came out uh, last week is Deer Hunter, Why Hasn't Everything Already Disappeared? Uh, I've been enjoying this a great deal. I, my, for me, Deer Hunter uh, mostly exists in the form of Halcyon Digest. I got into Fading mm. Frontier when that came out a couple of years ago. Um, never listened to Monomania much. Microcastle, I maybe listened to once. But, but I've been enjoying this in the vein of uh, it feels like a, like a kind of a slightly less hazy but similar aesthetic uh, to Halcyon Digest. Yeah, yeah, I've been really liking this one too. And looking back over Deer Hunter's career now, they've been wildly consistent over yeah. over the course of their career while still doing slightly different things on each album. Like you can definitely identify them as Deer Hunter on every release, but um, I, I think the slight variations in, in what they're trying to do from album to album is definitely there. Uh, Microcastle and Halcyon Digest, I think, are classics. Monomania is an interesting kind of detour. Um, and then with Fading Frontier and Why Hasn't Everything Already Disappeared, I think they've kind of hit on like this kind of poppy but still slightly experimental sound, in particular on some tracks on uh, Why Hasn't Everything Already Disappeared, like... Uh, what is it, D-Tournament de or, or whatever? The, the sixth track that's just like that crazy, like, voice. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, like, that's a, that's a very experimental song. But then you have other songs like Element or Death in Midsummer um, that are a little bit more poppy. So You know what I'm realizing now that we're talking about it is I, I listen to this a good amount. But looking at the track list, I I don't know all the song names because I don't I don't either. This is one that for me really flows nicely yeah. from one to the next. That's the thing I don't know that I can pick out one or two songs like on that Sharon Van Etten album or even James Blake. There's two or three songs that I'm like, yeah, those are the ones that that really stand out. 
This is just a consistent listen all throughout. Futurism is one that I know I've checked the track name for and that, that it sticks out. It yep. has that kind of catchy little um, jangly synth riff at the beginning. Uh, Death in Midsummer, I think, is a great opener, mm-hmm. like kind of the perfect kind of opener for an album like this. As a as kind of a tangent side note, bad radio thing. This is a great album cover. I think it's oh, a yeah. really really cool it's one. It's really cool. You don't see a lot of these like these kind of earth tones. Like this, it, it's this sort of deep brown with like a tan lettering with this cool font. The font does a lot for it, and it has this cool sort of like I can't even tell what the image is like a burning bridge or a burning building. Yeah, you know, looking through their discography. They've strung together a strong-looking yeah, uh, album stretch here. Where yeah. All of them look good. They look good grouped together as well. Deer Hunter's got it down when it comes to a, a visual aesthetic, Jake. They they most certainly do. Uh, th- there's one track on here where it sounds like um, Bradford Cox, who I assume sings all the tracks, but I know that there's another, I think... Other members of the band also sing from time to time. Yeah. Right? Uh, it sounds like the vocals are being like... Coming in and out. It might even be the last track or right. the track before that. Yeah, it's like glitchy. Where it's like he will be talking and then all of a sudden cut out like that. Yeah, and like, yeah. It, like it kind of does that thing. A really cool effect. Um, and yeah, man, it's just like it's more stuff where if you like that side of Deer Hunter, I feel like yeah, you'll definitely enjoy the just album. Just more consistent Deer Hunter. And that's the thing. They're just a consistent, consistent band. Um, the last record, Jake, that we want to talk about uh, is this new one from The Twilight Sad called It Won't Be Like This All The Time. So The Twilight Sad are an indie rock band from Scotland. Um, they've been around now since eh, the late 2000s, around 2007, 2008. Um, I had checked out one of their albums before, which is considered to be, I think, their best. It's called Nobody Wants To Be Here and Nobody Wants To Leave from 2014, which was very, very enjoyable. Uh, and that was recommended to me from a friend who knew I liked uh, Frightened Rabbit. Um, and the Twilight Sad are actually, uh, from what I understand, uh, they were pretty close to Scott Hutchinson of uh, Frightened Rabbit. Um, and you can definitely see some similarities between the two bands. So if you like Frightened Rabbit, I think there'd be a lot to like here with uh, the Twilight Sad. But this new album in particular uh, really feels like kind of a, a step up from... Uh, maybe some of their other sound before it. It's kind of like it's definitely indie rock, but with a post-punk synth layer to it as well. There's this darkness to this entire album that I've really been enjoying, given the time of the year, given life circumstances. This album's really been speaking to me lately. I've been liking it too more than I expected to. I think, and uh, it reminds me of like a, a modern Cure album. It yeah, sounds like a, like that, the Cure. Yes. yes. Um, and uh, it's a sound I like, and for the, the the length of the track list, I think sometimes I'm like always ready to be out one song earlier than right. it ends because it's it's what almost fifty minutes. Yeah, it's forty six minutes. It's not really that long. I'm not saying it's excessive. I think I've been in, but it's weird. It's one of those we've talked a lot before about albums where you look and you're like, oh, there's four minutes more on this that yeah, I thought weren't yeah. here. That's been happening to me for some reason with this. I still have been enjoying it. I've listened, I think, three times mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah, a lot of really good songs, and, and the, the production is really cool on it. it. It does remind me of that kind of 80s post-punk yeah, sound. Yeah, I love this sense, and it's interesting because some of the uh, the song titles on here are kind of structured in a weird way. Uh, like, for example, the one of the songs is called I'm Not Here, blo- like bar parentheses, missing face, and the I'm 
doesn't have an apostrophe. It has a dash. And there's a few other songs that are kind of like that. And the lead singer of this band, I'm blanking on his name, uh, but he did an AMA on Reddit. And someone asked, like, what's up with, like, the way you structured these song titles? And, like, what's up with the, the artwork on this album? It looks super glitchy. And he's like, that was on purpose. It's supposed to represent, like, faded memories and like fractured memories which i thought was really really cool especially given a lot of the lyrical content on here and it a really cool album cover too with like kind of this ghostly like face of a guy and and woman uh on the front aesthetically the the album cover reminds me a lot of something my chemical romance would have done Mm. um yeah, but I agree. It has. It definitely has its own aesthetic, and it's going for something interesting. And I've been enjoying it. Don't have at this point a ton to say about it, but I think that um, with a few more listens, I could get there. It just it feels like right now it's like a very solidly written yeah. kind of like it, it feel, to me. It feels very eighties post punk, but maybe yes. maybe it's not as much as I'm saying. And no, I no, that. I I definitely think it is. I I totally think it is. But it it is also filtered through like these are indie rock songs but definitely has that 80s post-punk vibe too so yeah i've been really liking that one jake how would you rank these four albums that we just talked about in terms of enjoyment over the last week i think it's actually really hard it is so twilight's head for me is gonna be fourth but Mm -hmm. with deer hunter sharon and james blake the more i think about it it, it's hard for me to rank them i think i actually and it's kind of like a 1a 1b 1c right now but I, i think I might actually go, um, damn, like Sharon, James Blake, Deer Hunter, Twilight Sad? Yeah. So surprisingly, and I did not expect this to be the case, I, I am actually going with Twilight Sad number one. Okay. Um, number two, I think I do put Sharon there. Three is James Blake, four is Deer Hunter. Yeah. I, I but could, these are all really good. Yeah, I could have really arranged them Almost in any way, especially with those three for me, yeah. it, it, it kind of felt like, uh, given my mood on a certain day, Deer Hunter would be the one I'd most want to listen to, yeah. is the thing. So, yeah. that's tough. Uh, okay, so a few other albums that I just wanted to shout out quickly that came out this week. We don't really have to go into detail with them. Uh, Lost Under Heaven, this is band they used to be, they're formerly known as L-U-H. Uh, and this Luh. is a project that came from the ashes of the band Woo Life. That had that one great fucking song from the early 2010s called We Bros. If you have not listened to that, you need to check that song out. But I've always been like keeping my eye on this dude because I'm like, that song's amazing. Like, what if he puts something out that's as good? This album's fine. Love Hates What You Become. A little too bombastic, a little too earnest for me. Um, you know, it, it's good enough if you're into that kind That's of That's hard to do, man. Be be too earnest and bombastic it's, for you. I know, I, I feel know. Like a lot of most, and I don't mean that as an insult. I feel I like a lot of your favorite music. It's true, but this was like too much. Is it? What's the genre, would you say? Uh, like indie rock. Indie oh, rock. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's like, it's very like, we're going for this though. We're like, eh, a little too much. Okay. Uh, another one, this band, uh, Diva Sweetly. This is an emo band, I think from North Carolina. They put out a fun album called In the Living Room this past week. Um, 30 minutes long, some hooks on there. Yeah, man. I checked it out today. It was it's good. It is fun. I feel like it's this. funny. See what you think of this. I think this album has some creeper potential 
this year in terms of the band Creeper who put out <laughs> yeah. that album Eternity in Your Arms yes, um, yes. a couple of years ago where it's like the, the, I listened to this once today and I, and I got this it's it's not nearly as sort of gothic or theatrical as right. that but uh, it's theatrical in a sense where yeah. it is it's very hard on its sleeve and there's like little skits like yeah. there was that one about the tongue knife <laughs> the tongue knife yeah and yeah. like there's some there's a lot of humor in it um, it's some of it was produced from what I could tell from the first listen like a little too much like the that really like super clean like almost good Charlotte production of <laughs> yeah. punk. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking I about? Do, I do from the mid 2000s where yeah. they were like, let's make punk music and produce it exactly like we produce pop music. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, this is a fun little album though. It like is, the stakes aren't super high. I listened to this a couple times. Like I think what happened is I was listening on Spotify. And you know how sometimes it will just like start playing it again once it ends? Yeah. It just did. I didn't really even notice it. Before I even did, it was halfway done. And I was just like, oh, this is like great. This is a fun, fun album. So uh, Diva Sweetly in the living room. That one's been really good. Another one I was able to get around to today, Jake, Steve Gunn uh, called The Unseen In Between. This is such a Kurt Vile kind of like that guitar sound vibe. Mm. Um Reminded me of real estate a little bit. Reminded me kind of the jangly indie rock, but definitely borrowing from classic rock kind of vibe uh, that's right in our wheelhouse. Very worth listening to. It's like a 45-minute album again. You know what I love about this week, Jake? These albums, nothing was more than 46 minutes. Yeah. That's like perfect. Uh, And then the last one, which I have not actually listened to, uh, but do kind of want to check out is this new future album called The Wizard. Um, you know, there's there's some collaborations on there. He's got a Travis Scott collaboration, which I will definitely want to check out. So I might give it a listen. It's 20 fucking tracks, though. What are you doing, future? How, lo- how long? Uh, definitely over an hour. Um, I, I, I can, don't know how much over an hour, but Jesus. I man. just can basically guarantee I won't listen to that. Yeah. It's just like it doesn't appeal to me enough. I know, I know. I, I, I did want to make an effort to listen to rap albums in the same way that I listen to some of these indie rock albums. In this the se- falls in, man. Like, Future's the equivalent of, like, if... I don't, who, who's, the, who's the rock equivalent of Future? I honestly, Somebody like pretty popular. Yeah, so it would be someone really popular, yeah. like I don't know, Jack White or something. Yeah, yes, he's the Jack White of of rap. Someone kind of weird, but very very popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's fair. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, we'll see with that. Okay. Um, show and tell. You have a show and tell. Yeah, let's hear it, man. I do. I uh, went up with uh, Mary Kate, big friend of the pod, to Portland, Maine. To the State Theater to see uh, Casey Musgraves, who, if uh, you have followed the podcast over the past year, which you haven't because you're a person and no one listens to this podcast. (laughs) Continue, continue. (laughs) You, so if you followed us last year, which you didn't, you would know that Casey Musgraves released my favorite album of last year and one of my favorites of the decade, one of my favorite albums ever uh, in in Golden Hour. uh, And... So we went and saw her at the State Theater in Portland. A, a nice venue, a good venue. Great, um, yeah. The, the place was packed, Love dude. It. it was one of the the most full shows I've ever seen at that place or any venue, really. Um, completely jammed, sold out. Uh, we were on the floor for most of the show until I think the last three songs. Um, and we were 
definitely getting jostled about a lot. Mm-hmm. There was all that, you know. You were in the pit. You had enough standing room where if someone moved backward, I had a stair behind me. Have you ever had that? Oh, where you, and I was like, on there the were precipice. There were yeah. a couple times where I, I was very near to just like falling over. Yeah. Uh, didn't didn't happen. Uh, oh. There were also some very very drunk people around us. All that is beside the point. Um, Casey and her band um, put on a really amazing show. They opened with Slow Burn and they did a cool thing where the um, the six band members they had a banjo player, a pedal steel player. Uh, two, uh, like a sort of an organ and a piano, I think, and then you know some guitars and a, and a percussionist. Um, they they opened up a slow burn. The band came out and played like kind of a like an ambient little intro piece, um, and then she sort of just emerged in the middle of the stage. It was basically the the stage was set up so it was like three guys on one side, three on the other, and then Casey walked up the middle of this like pet like sort of a pedestal. Um, and was completely enshrouded in like there was all a lot of light coming from behind her, mm. but you just saw her silhouette. That's cool. And she started strumming slow burn and, and singing it. Um, the presentation value of the show was great, uh, and they did another thing where I think it was for Love Is a Wild Thing and a couple others. They stripped it down a bit from the electric guitars, the electric bass, all that, and they 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 stripped it down to um, an acoustic guitar, a, a banjo. The guy who had been playing the pedal steel started playing a cello. Wow. Um, and the drummer started playing with brushes. Yeah. And they did a couple songs that way. With Love is a Wild Thing, which it was my favorite song on the album, they did the first half of the song that way. And then, you know, when that song kind of bursts back in, yeah. um, I think after the bridge, yep. they had all kind of slowly made their way back to their instruments and all kicked oh, back in awesome. with electric guitars yeah. and everything and the pedal steel. It sounded fucking incredible. Her band was tight as shit. I can't yeah. recommend them enough. And she sounded awesome, dude. Like vocally, was totally locked in. The thing I actually don't even think I mentioned this to you because I forgot. Natalie Prass opened for her. Oh, we missed that. But um, Casey co- pulled Natalie Prass onto the stage during the show, and they sang um, "I Will Survive" together. That's cool. It was awesome. It was like really fun. Wow. Um, That's great. She played everything from Golden Hour. She played a lot of hits from. Same trailer, different park, and pageant material. Pageant material, by the way, is a, definitely an album to check out, really, like, and revisit. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's really good. It's 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 more country than yeah. than is Golden Hour, but it, it's worth checking out. Um, and I could, there's definitely a couple songs from her first album that I, I really like too. So, uh, larger point, one of the better shows I've ever seen, actually. Wow, and and yeah. I think I've come to the realization that country musicians, people who play in ba- country bands they're tight musicians very talented like these guys were like really locked in yeah. and clearly like really really could play and and really worked hard at the show like it, there was a lot of presentation value as well and uh she dude like she's a real rising star oh, yeah, dude for like, sure. she is gaining a, a shit ton of popularity the, i i don't know that i've ever felt as much pure like adoration from the crowd yeah. lord when I saw Lord, that might have been the second best example of like a musician who people were just absolutely losing their shit for her. Yeah. Well, um, I think when you go Arctic to, Monkeys to the maybe? shows that we normally go to, there's a there's an element of like I'm too cool. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, yeah. There's a cool dismissal of it. Uh, yeah, but when you go to one of these other ones that you wouldn't normally be at or are outside of the normal kind of indie show. It's very noticeable. Yeah, man. I mean, there was a really good mix of people there, though. Like, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Is like on mm-hmm. being on the floor. Like, 
there's maybe some people who you'd expect, but there's also like, like she has a, I was thinking about how broad a reach she really has. Yeah. Because she has critics in her pocket. Oh, for sure. People like, and she's massive. I think she's not massively, but f- fairly commercially successful. Yeah. Like in a good mid tier. So she has a good, and she's a country artist who that's the most commercialized music there is. Yeah, that's true. So like, the, dude, like, People fucking love Casey yeah. Musgraves. And people came out in droves for the show. How many people were wearing some form of cowboy boots or cowboy hat? Not really that many, man. Because like, that, that, that's always the social media trope I see when people go to like Gillette for like these country shows. They, yeah. they bust out their, their cowboy boots and hats. Casey's doing a different thing. She's not right. there to like have you fill up your red solo cup and, <laughs> right, and right, sing right. a song about your GMC truck. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. she's... She's putting on a like a, it's an artistic performance. Yeah, exactly. Um, and her songs are they they happen to be in the the genre of country, but I think right. that, um, damn it, I mean like, it was it was a great great show. Yeah, nice. I'm glad to hear. And that. And I think that if people are out there who have the chance to see her and will be interested, it, it it's it's not just the run of the mill like concert. It was, right. It was worth it's seeing. Very professional. No, that's good to hear. I'm glad you went to go see that. Uh, Jake, round out the week for us with some release. Radar. Yeah, so there's not much here, man. I there, which is maybe a good thing. Yeah. After the big week that we just had, it'll give us some more time to keep living with these great albums we just talked about. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, so the uh, the one that I pulled out of the list that I'm I, I don't know if I'll listen to it. Maybe I will. Is uh, this Backstreet Boys album <laughs> DNA? Oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> dude! Like honestly, you know what I I. I Flat out like the Backstreet Boys. Well, yeah, but a, a I'm new gonna like a, Beach uh, Backstreet Boys record in 2019. Not probably not great, but have they ever had a great album? Millennium, yes. I never listened to every track on yeah, it. I but did. That's what I'm saying is like, I mean, but do like, dude, is no, the whole no, that's album not a good album. Essential? No, no God, no. no. But, I mean, but like, it is a good album because it has like six fucking bangers yeah, on it. it. Does um, I well. I might listen to this just for the fun of it. Yeah. Just to see what the like what are the Backstreet Boys doing now because they're a big part of my childhood. The other band um, is that is this band F I D L A R is it Fiddler? F- is it Fiddler though? F- yeah. Do you, do you know what it stands for? No. Fuck it, dog. Life's a risk. Oh, and that's what it said in their their uh, profile on yep. Spotify. I didn't realize yep, yep, that, yep. that there was the connection. I am gonna listen to this. I think this album is actually supposed to be pretty good. So I don't know anything about this band. I've listened to some tracks here and there. They had, I think, a song or two on Grand Theft Auto that I really liked. I'm I'm gonna check this out. So this I, is in our wheelhouse. This Fiddler. I've, I fully understand that they're just one of those bands like Foxing before them for me, yeah. where I would see the name and be like, I know that people I know and who have similar <laughs> yeah. tastes to me like this band, but I couldn't say what a single song is called, and right. I couldn't tell you how they sound. Right. Um. But yeah, they're putting out a new album almost free. Cool. Um, the other thing I had really, really quick, unless you had anything else. I did not. Uh, recommendation of the week. Check out Bill Callahan. Yeah. Um, because uh, since Drag City has started putting their their artists' music, except Joanna Newsom, sadly, onto Spotify, right. uh, I think we both have been exploring some of that, starting with Bonnie Prince Billy a couple weeks ago. Yes. Uh, I listened to Dream River. Apocalypse and uh, Sometimes I Wish We Were an Eagle by Bill Callahan. All really cool albums, man. And like, uh, this is a guy with a really interesting songwriting style. I was reading a little about him on a, a in a Pitchfork feature, and it seems like he is a pretty content guy who is just like, mm. 
kind of like he seems like one of these people who's just very open to the world and like yeah. up to explore. Yeah. There are all these pictures of him out on rocks and like mm. hiking and shit That's and cool. like going swimming. Uh, I would also, if you like the Bill Callahan solo releases, definitely check his work out uh, under the moniker Smog. In particular, the album Knock Knock. Really good. I didn't get the chance to do that yet, but I, I definitely will. Yes, so great recommendation of the week. Yeah, any of those Drag City artists, very, very worth listening to. Uh, that'll do it for this week. Uh, we will be back in the coming week uh, with similar talk. So we'll see you then. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye. We are on. Um, so <clears throat> I had two things, but I forget one of them. So mm-hmm. I'll just say, uh, oh, no, I have two things. I remember both okay. of them. One, uh, I'm going to keep short. I am only doing it out of tradition at this point. Um, had a dental appointment today. Uh, and I feel like every time God. I – it was one of the smoothest ones I've had in that's, a long time. That's good. Um, but what I will say is I think I mentioned this to you before – one, it's a tradition for me to mention this on the podcast. Yeah. Every pre-show when I have a yeah. dentist appointment, it's been a weird amount of times I've had an appointment the day we do the podcast. I know. I know. Like, I can think of at least two, maybe three other times. I know. It's weird. <laughs> um, so, like, last year there was this whole debacle about, in the x-rays of my teeth, did I tell you this? One of them... Yes, yes, I remember a, this. a weird root. I remember this. And yeah. so they always bring it up. And right. every time I'm like, it's fine. Right, Like, right. And again today, they brought it up. Like, hey, some, are we we're supposed to keep an eye on this, uh, <laughs> this, on this root? Is that bothering you? I'm like, no. It's not like, can you write in there somewhere? Like, no further action required. Because every time they fucking bring it up, I'm worried they're going to be like, we got to pull this tooth right away. <laughs> it needs a full set of veneers. And it's like I had a different hygienist and a different dentist today yeah so they didn't they weren't familiar with it so they were like oh yeah it looks like uh she literally said she said, it looks like something's eating away at it in there so like, what are you talking about it's like that's horrifying language like she's like but it hasn't changed in any of these x-rays so it doesn't seem to be anything that's progressing like terrible decay but it's like it's one of these front teeth dude they don't, uh, okay they yeah, don't yeah, look yeah. weird right do they? right no 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 except for the root that's sticking out other than that they, just, they feel totally normal fine. it basically is like if you look at the root of your tooth right it's like a normal one is just shoot straight at the center of yeah, your tooth yeah yeah mine kind of goes like up and over and around it has like this oh, like in okay. this one it has like a loop it looks like a hook hmm that's strange. I yeah, man, I'm the fucking dentist. What are you gonna do? The other thing I wanted to bring up, um, however briefly we want, is uh, that the uh, Patriots of New England oh. are making a return uh, an, trip. A, another yearly tradition for the podcast. The, yeah, and, and at this point, I like a almost forgot. And B, I'm just like, well, we've already like beaten this horse to death on the podcast, like pre-show, after show oh, already. Yeah. It's like there's not it's much the same shit. To say. It's the same shit. It's like they're great. They're historically great. I can't believe it. I have a good feeling actually about this Super Bowl. I do, but too. I did last year too. So 
Yeah, I mean, they, you, just, you never know. Yeah, uh, the, it, it was a great, great game. It was one of the best AFC Championship games. I think we've talked about yeah. the fact that it might have been the best of yeah. theirs. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really just is a marker in time. I think it's worth bringing up that they're headed back. This is the ninth time, which is... Oh, my God. I mean, like, uh, say what you will about football, and there's plenty of ills that mm-hmm. it brings to the world and to the people who play it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as just a sports fan, man, it's hard not to, like care a little bit of course yeah and, like, of course of course it's so fuck. it's cool of like, course um uh sean life update i'm sick again led zeppelin um that's right um my life is just in upheaval a lot of a lot of stress so i'm sick big surprise that's as far as i'll go there i'm sick so i'm playing injured playing hurt it's another flu game gonna yeah. Well, yeah. now nah, I mean, you had a true stomach bug. Yeah, I did. A couple weeks ago. And now, uh, last week, really. Um, yeah, la- the weekend before this most before recent this weekend. one. Yeah. So, going to fight through, Jake. I'm going to fight through. Yeah. Well, I, I hope you feel better, and we'll, we'll get through this one uh, probably kind of quick. Yeah, we'll do our Should, best. This is like a, we're back to like a true routine episode. We, oh, yeah, yeah. This is like a wheelhouse Some episode. good albums yeah, to talk absolutely. about. Yeah. Let's dive in. Let's All right, do let's it. do it, man. All right, ready? Uh Five, four, starting with five there. Three. Changing it up. Two, one. 